Kevin Moltroy and Bianca Gilmarez are co-executive creative directors at Mischief at No Fixed Address. Both are incredibly talented and well-accomplished in their careers, showing no signs of letting up. Bianca is from Sao Paulo, Brazil, where she embarked on her advertising journey and decided to chase a career that shifts culture and perceptions with her insanely creative art direction. I remember writing an essay on her commercial for Sandy Hook Promise titled Back to School Essentials back in college. What was a seemingly innocent back to school ad turns south to make a powerful statement to prevent gun violence. Her work has been nominated for multiple Emmys and has won more than 100 awards internationally. In addition, Bianca has been named one of Business Insider's 30 most creative people in advertising under 30, Adweek's Creative 100, and most recently AdAge's 40 Under 40 list. Now, Kevin Mulroy is from the northern suburbs of Chicago, and he currently lives in New Jersey. He breaks down his advertising journey as one that took some time to launch, but launch it did. Kevin has been recognized at the highest level by Can, The One Show, DNAD, Webby's, and more. His range in work is awe-inspiring, from important messaging on the threat of our democracy in the United States to the fun messaging of send nudes for craft. I asked this creative duo what they looked for when hiring all the creatives at Mischief. They hired Hatem, who was on a previous episode, which was fun. I asked them about mischief, what goes into a thriving creative partnership, their biggest mistakes, their best ads, and of course, advice for you. I thought it was phenomenal personally, so take it for what it is. Fun fact, Kevin actually graduated from Chicago Portfolio School back in the day, and he's doing pretty damn well. Chicago Portfolio School supports this episode, and going there can help your chances of breaking into the ad world. Visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. Tell them B&E sent you. Bianca and Kevin also wrote some resources that they recommend for you. Find those on our Instagram at enteringad. One more time, that's at enteringad. This is going to be a great show, so let's get on with it. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, and as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Bianca and Kevin, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. This might be a Hall of Fame episode. I'm a little nervous. I'm super excited, but thank you both so much for coming on. Thanks, Gino. It's a big intro. Appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. We better live up to that now. Yeah. No, I'm I'm pumped. I usually don't have two guests on at once, but I've done it before. We'll see how it goes. We'll... I'll direct questions one of you at a time, but feel free to jump in wherever you want. But this is going to be fun. You both are ECDs at Mischief at No Fixed Address. I've had on one previous guest, Hatem, who's at Mischief. Do you guys know Hatem? Of course. Yes, we hired Hatem. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. He is so lively on LinkedIn. Like, if you want to get a job... This show, the whole show, all I can say is follow him on LinkedIn and you'll get a job because he, he, he posts all the time. <laughs> yeah. Lively all the time, not just on LinkedIn. Sure. I wonder what that's like, but um, he's a good episode, so ch- check that out as well. But we're t- here to talk about you both. You both are ECDs at Mischief. How long have you both been there? 
since the beginning, pretty much. So it's been a year and a couple months or a few months. I'm losing track of time. It feels like 10 years in a good way. Yeah. I think it was July of 2020, right? Yeah. That's when we started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. So it's a, it's a new agency, kind of started off small. Is it still small? Tell me about Mischief, what it's like there. Give me the rundown and our audience. Uh, I'll start and then you jump in, B. Yep. Uh, I can give you the, the quick background is Mischief was born uh, basically uh, in 2020. We were, uh, Bianca, Greg, and I were all working at uh, BVDO New York. We had been there for, uh, I want to say, six years or something like that. Uh, Greg was the chief creative officer uh, of the U.S. And, um, and due to pandemic cuts, he was let go, which was a shock to everybody. And, um, and, so he, when he landed, he, you know, he sort of explored every option to, as to where to go to next. And uh, he kept coming back to this place, No Fixed Address, which was uh, a model that was really set up for, uh, sort of set up for the pandemic, but they had been in business for five years prior to it. And it was just a very flexible model. And he said, uh, you know, I, I think they had, had a lot of talks. They said, why don't you start an agency? And he said, I am not a businessman. I don't know how to do that. Um, creative person. And they said, well, what if we, you know, did that part for you and kind of got you up and running and, uh, and it will be your vision and your shop. And then, you know, uh, it, it started there. So that was the start of it. Basically, you know, uh, it was, it was Greg's, uh, shop, uh, partnering with no fixed address, which is, you know, an agency in, in Toronto. And, uh, and then they reached out to us and, uh, asked if we'd like to come aboard and work for our, our old boss, uh, Greg. And, and it was not a very difficult decision for us, even though it was a really weird time. Um, the prospect of, of starting something new with somebody that we trusted as, as, as much as we did Greg, um, and the, sort of the excitement of doing something entrepreneurial was, uh, was very different and, and very exciting for us. So we, we jumped at it. What was the timeline? So Greg got laid off and then he started looking at no fixed address and you guys were there. You both were at BBDO in New York. How long were you guys waiting for him to start uh, Mischief? Or when did that play out? Everything was very quick. I think we, you know, I think we started like officially like a month after, you know, Mischief started. Okay. Because um, we, you know, we're giving some time to be video obviously is a place that we had a lot of heart for and we, we love the people there still. Uh, but again, as Kevin said, the chance of doing something more entrepreneurial and we would learn so much in this new, uh, you know, this new venture or adventure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, yeah. That's a scary time. I mean, in yeah. general, like with the world and also just transition is also pretty scary. So that's a pretty big leap for you guys. And it, it worked out pretty well, I'm sure. Yeah, it was it was scary. I mean, everything was a little scary. Nothing was guaranteed at all. Um, and we felt like if nothing else, what we can do is the work. And, uh, I, you know, I had a friend who's, who told me once there's no such thing as job security. The only job security is being good at your job. And, and so it was really just we knew we could do the work. We knew that we worked really well with Greg. We trusted Greg, as I said. And um yeah, it, it felt like 
at the very least, one of the great things uh, about having uh, no fixed address um, back us was basically that we felt we could at least work on uh, Canadian projects at the beginning, just to just sort of like get, you know, uh, get up, uh, up and running. And uh, we thought we'd be doing that for a few months before we started getting clients. It just didn't turn out that way. It was, there was immediate interest and, uh, and doing some work that, that, uh, got attention, uh, drew more interest from more clients and it just sort of snowballed from there and it, and it has not stopped. It's been, it's been great. Like it's, uh, the best part about it is that our work has been our calling card and our biggest driver of new business, which is exactly what you hope for when you start something like this. Yeah. How many people are at mischief right now? Um, I think we have on the crave team, we have, um, 10 or 11 teams um, and a designer. And so I think in general, we might be like, what, Kev, like 40 people? 40, I think, roughly, yeah. Yeah, but like we, yeah, we, we work, you know, like like Kevin was talking about the no fixed address. You know, obviously they are like, you know, they are an agency who's in Canada. They have like two or three different offices there. And then they they have like one in the, in the States as well, like, um, which is NFA USA. But um, we kind of call ourselves like the grid. And that's like when we talk about like how many people we are, we are like, yeah, 40 people at Mischief. But, you know, the grid is like, you know, 200 plus people. And that's where we can like, you know, grow uh, up or down or like scale up as much as we need to whenever we have different clients with different, um, uh, you know, necessities. So, um, yeah, they have like amazing strategists and designers and like a studio and so all of those things that you know at a place that's just starting you don't want to have all of that overhead and you don't want to like also just you know freelance a bunch of people from the start so um it's been really really good and healthy and we've developed a really good relationship and ways of working with that team yeah you guys are very nimble super creative i mean you've been all over the news it seems like and for good reasons your work is incredible Tell me about like your roles and where you fit in everything and how your responsibilities um, look. What, what do they look like? Uh, it, it's it's a little bit of everything, especially in the beginning. We were kind of doing a, a little of everything. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in title, we're executive creative directors. We um, when we first started, it was five of us or six of us. And we were doing all the work, being, we were in all the meetings, doing all the pitching, doing all the production, and it was nuts. It was really, really crazy. Um, and but then, you know, it's evolved a little bit. We've been able to start hiring teams. Um, it, we were stubborn about it, and we were slow to hire because we were trying to be very careful and picky about who sure. we hired, especially because we were so small. But um, we feel like we we're we're kind of stacked with talent right now. We're really excited about the teams we have, and our roles of um, we're still involved day to day with everything. All the work goes through us. Um, but we do have uh, we have teams that we trust that can run projects and um, and can run productions, and so we don't have to be uh, in every single meeting all the time. Right. right. What'd you look for, like? like you said that you were a little careful and, and the, at first to hire people. So what were the, some of those key things you were looking for when you're hiring creatives? Yeah, it's, it's hard because um, when you are small, you want to like, you cannot miss like hiring a team that's like, that doesn't deliver. So mm -hmm. 
we were just like extra careful because of that. And also there are teams or people in general that are better at one specific thing rather than, you know, being able to deliver everything. So there are teams that are more like, oh, they're really good at comedy. They don't really like doing other stuff or they're really good, like stunt brand act kind of like, you know, teams or teams that are more traditional and only do TV. So we needed to look for people that could do a little bit of everything. Cause at, you know, at that point we were, um, and still at this point, we're just getting requests and we want, uh, we were getting clients and requests to do um, all kinds of works work. And we want also to be that shop. We want to be the agency that delivers smart ideas, ideas that people cannot ignore across like, you know, uh, different genres, different mediums and all of that. We don't want to be known for a specific kind of work. So that's kind of like the teams that we were looking for were teams that would be able to do that. Um, and obviously, you know, just talented people, hardworking people, nice people, because it's very important for us to not be working with, uh, you know, with people with big eagles or, or any of that. So mm-hmm. um, those were a few important things that, that we looked for. Yeah. Yeah. Just to add to that, I think, before I got to be video, Greg was the most versatile creative I'd ever worked for or with. Um, his range of work was pretty nuts. You know, it was pretty impressive that he um, just, yeah, the, the range of tone in his work. The one constant is that it was always smart and unexpected. And so we're looking for the, all of those things. It, it's We all pride ourselves on having range, being able to as Bianca said, tackle any project that comes through and, and deliver the best version of that uh, solution. Um, but yeah, th- having ideas in, in a, a book that are unexpected, you're like, oh, I, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. Uh, and then, of course, just down to the basics, can this person write? Can this person art direct? That's also important, too. Like, We want to make sure that the people we're bringing on board um, can not only come up with ideas, but execute them is as uh, well as we need them to be executed yeah the fundamentals i love it mm-hmm. so what are your favorite parts about working at mischief and then maybe some of your least favorite parts i have a, I have a good favorite part uh sorry oh. Gavin, were you gonna say something? I don't know, go, go. um i think a lot of agencies um come you know look at the work or you know look at the way to approach work or meeting meetings with clients um, from a fear, from a place of fear, from a place of like, we need to make sure we don't lose that client. We need to make sure we don't say the wrong thing. We need to make sure that they're happy. What, you know, and, and I just feel like at mischief, like that's not what we do. It's not like we don't, um, we basically are not afraid. And that's not like, we're just basically like partnering with our client and being transparent and everybody's like on the same, um, with the same objective of moving their you know business and creating work that like produces good results and moves um, people in general. And um, so we, we do things differently in that sense. And I feel that's very refreshing, just being able to um, not come from a place of fear and people for encourage people to be themselves um is very refreshing yeah and i think to use a pretty tired sports reference apologies for this but playing to win instead of playing not to lose is a big difference maker i I mean as anyone who's a football fan it's like you see the prevent defense and you're like what are you doing what what is happening right now and it's just like a 
it feels like it's it's always a recipe for disaster. So it's yeah, it's fun to be um, to really be going for it. A because we want to do great work, but also because it's like our it, it's as I said before, it's our biggest driver of new business. It's our kind of our calling card. We're building this thing, and, and so we have to be swinging. You know, we have to really be. Uh, going forward on, on every project and trying to deliver something that uh, is really unexpected. And that, uh, as Bianca said, we can show demonstrably, you know, has business results. That's a big part of what we, how we position ourselves and pitch ourselves because it's important to us. Absolutely. Any least favorite part? Quick, so, sorry. Sorry mm -hmm. for interrupting. Okay. Um, if we need to, go a little over, I just realized like one of our meetings um, got canceled. So I just wanted to give that heads up. Oh, right. thank you. Cool. Okay, then what's something that you wish you could improve about the agency? Oh God, resourcing meetings. I'm so tired of resourcing. <laughs> yeah. They're the worst. Yes. I what mean, goes uh, like, we're very busy and it's always sort of like a, it's just always a puzzle to figure out who's going to work on what and when and making sure that we're not burning people out. And it's, you know, obviously we were very careful to hire all of our teams and we really want to take care of them and make sure that everybody's happy and everyone's producing and no one's, uh, I mean, I would say almost all the projects we get, almost all the, the assignments are great. It's just that nobody wants to work on like two, like back-to-back -back pitches. For example, yeah. we just have to make sure that, you know, it, it's just like not something that we not something that I've dealt with before. It's yeah. 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 I think another one is like um, some like needing to know when to say no to things and what to focus on and not grow too fast because we get a lot of like, you know, different opportunities and we just need to be careful with what is the right opportunity, what makes sense, you know, for us to to spend our energy in and do all those meetings where like, we're just evaluating what's coming in, what's on the table and like what we need to, uh, to do to make sure that we're staying true to the brand that, that we're building and to make sure that, um, that we keep things that way and we don't grow too fast. That's another, I wouldn't say like, that's, it's just like another point that we, that we all need to pay attention and talk about a lot. Yeah. The flip side of that though, is that, uh, we are at a stage we're small enough right now, but uh, we're having enough success that we we are able to say no to things, which is great. Not every place can do that uh, or wants to do that. <clears throat> um, but we've had, you know, pitch meetings that don't feel right and, and uh, we're getting kind of lousy feedback and uh, the people maybe seem like kind of dicks and we don't, uh, you know, like we're able to say, this doesn't feel right for us, so let's not do it. And I think that was from the beginning, honestly. Like it was just like every opportunity because because I don't think it's good for us or the client. Like by saying yeah. no, we're just doing everybody a favor if it's not the right thing. And there are sometimes like awesome clients and brands, but they're like the kind of work that they want is not necessarily the kind of work that um, that we do or that we're the best at. And so we think it's not smart for them to like you know go with us in that case. So hmm. we're transparent about that. Really important. Yeah. You also have to kind of think about that. Like from, I was thinking from a student perspective, that same, that same philosophy applies for when you're applying for jobs, like you can oh. say no to jobs or like an agency that you're, you're interviewing with that doesn't feel right. You can always step away too from the student perspective. 
And on 100%. top of that, the other thing about that is I think a lot of the time it's easy to get lured in by the name on the door, but you have to find out who you're going to be working for and what you're going to be working on. Yep. Because it makes all the difference. Even at great, hot, creative shops, you could be working on, you know, just you could be working on something that never produces or a, a CD that just uh, doesn't have your best interest in mind, whatever it is. Yeah. That's an important thing. There's a lot of shifting too. It's hard to keep up with all, you know, who's moving around when, because it's a shifty uh, industry. People move yeah. around. So you got to keep up with it and you got to see where, where you're going to be best fit. But um, what was the last ad you both made together? Oh, what did we just uh, produce? <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, there was, there was like, we just what we just put out the door oh netflix yeah that was the last thing we did Ooh, uh that we just put netflix. out it was a promotion for the show lucifer so lucifer is on its last season it's coming up and to promote that we um we just launched this campaign called cashing on sin and basically it was these like cards like a debit card like a you know credit debit card so that kind of card where um, we, you know, we reward fans for sinning. So the more they sin, the more they get rewarded. So fans would just kind of like, based on like the different uh, seven, seven sins, sins. Yeah. yeah, the seven deadly sins, mm -hmm. um, they would get different things with this card. So, you know, if it's like litany, they would get like a bunch of, you know, uh, money to spend on um, something like Uber Eats, you know, so they're different brands. Yes. It was actually Hatam's idea. and. Uh... He, I think nice. he wins. I think he wins the award for uh, uh, for uh, for battle the battle of attrition. It was a very long and very uh, painful process to get it sold, but it it finally went, and uh, we're really happy for him. Yeah, and that's that's everywhere. I've seen that on Ad Age, Ad Week, Twitter, the tw yeah. Twitterverse. So good yeah. job. That's awesome. Yeah, Hatem, Hatem and our creative director Hunter, they like they work together on it, yeah. and they both shaped the campaign and, and did everything. They um, turned out really well. Oh, I'm so happy. That's awesome. He's such a great guy. So I'm glad he's found some success. Um, tell me about an ad or a campaign that you're most proud of that you've worked on together or individually. Bianca, let's start with you. Um, that's a hard question. <laughs> I think, um, there are a few things I'm I'm proud of, like that we've done at Mischief, and then a couple things from like you know prior to Mischief. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the you know something that we did at Mischief for Represent Us was this film called Dictators, and it was where or this campaign called you know the Dictators, and where we had Kim Kim Jong Un and Putin. We did deepfakes of them um, talking about how our democracy is fragile. And if you don't do anything, that was like for when the elections were happening right before. Um, if you don't if you don't do anything, if you don't go vote, if you don't go work the polls, um, you know, things can very quickly fall apart. And it was just, you know, by giving the message through their voices and through, you know, those people, we just um, hoped to make people understand that we're not that far from um you know uh, the opposite of a of a um, a democracy, and uh, and yeah, that was a fun campaign to work on. It was very successful. It drove all the results that the client was expecting, 
Um, so that that came to mind for me. Who, who was the client that, on that? Um, represent us. They are like a non, non like they're a part of the nonprofit um, that uh, basically works for all things like fights corruption on all things like you know politics and mm-hmm. and all of that. That, yeah, that I think the thing thing about that one in particular that that we were proud of is it's an as Bianca said it's a nonpartisan organization and they asked us to talk about corruption in the election during the 2020 election which is impossible to to be nonpartisan. I mean anything you said could be construed, you know, either left or right and and to talk about corruption in politics it just felt like you were automatically taking sort of like a a lefty stance. Mm-hmm. And uh so that was the challenge for us and I think that project got a little overshadowed by the fact that we used deep fake technology for it. But the real insight was what we were proud of. It was it was taking a step back from American politics and looking at it from more of a global perspective and saying, you know, who sort of has a vested interest in democracy collapsing. And that, you know, led us to these these um, dictatorial leaders and uh, with a little bit of a twist on it where they're, they, you know, usually we sort of look outward and blame others for trying to attack democracy but the twist on it obviously was they were saying we don't have to do anything you're doing it to yourselves so that was really the the insight and the idea behind it and then we just we used deep fake because it was the most provocative way to to tell that story uh and yeah so so it was successful it was good yeah yeah the, the, the part about the deep fake that there, there was so much conversation about deep fake and like the like is it um, something ethical to do and to use that? And we made sure to make a disclaimer and to put this is like this video isn't real, but the threat to democracy is. So like nice. we disclaimed that through, like uh, you know throughout all of the pieces of communication that we put out and like so we weren't never trying to like make right. people think that it was real. Um, it was just like a message. So that but that part got you know got some but there was some debate about deepfakes in general. Sure, it was provocative. I think but it stirred up a lot of tension and it was for a good cause, a good reason. I mean, you guys are no strangers to um, being provocative, like the send nudes campaign with craft. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was hilarious. And I remember that when that one came out, but um, also like the, the back to school essentials was one that I had to write about. I wrote about it in college. I remember being like, so struck by that, that piece of work. Bianca, did you work on that one? Yeah, yeah. I used to run the Sandy Hook Promise account um, along with um, another creative at BBDO, and um, yeah, that's very, that's a very, um, that, that's another one like that came to mind. And that client and that that, that whole um, that whole cause is something very close to me and very something that I, I that I get very passionate about and working on it more and more um, through the years at BBDO, like that, you know became something that I took very seriously. And then after having a kid, I'm like, oh my God, this needs to change before my kid goes to school. <laughs> this yeah. is like crazy. So um, yeah, that was a very special campaign. And I was so very happy to see the the amount of people that saw it beyond the advertising industry and like how it touched people in different ways um, to hopefully prevent some of that stuff. Cause that's all the, the message of that campaign and the message that, that you know, we try to give with that nonprofit organization is that school shootings are not disasters that you cannot avoid. There's something that can be preventable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of getting people to schools to be teaching kids how to like survive them, they should be teaching kids how to prevent them. And that was the whole message. Yeah. Very well done. Thank you. 
So you've obviously, you both have found a lot of success. Mischief sounds like a fantastic agency. Um, but let's kick it back to like how you guys got started in this. And starting with you, Bianca, you're from mm -hmm. Brazil, right? Sao Paulo. Yeah. How did you get started? Like, where did you hear about advertising? Tell us about your advertising break-in. Yeah. It was a, to me, it was a process of elimination when it came to me, like trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do, you know, for a living. I feel like you're so young when you have to make that decision. I had no idea. I honestly knew what I did not want to do. Um, and then it was like, what was left? It was like, okay, cinema, advertising, fashion. I remember there was like some other, like, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what, but it was like, I kind of was more, I think, thought maybe like the and if something related to communication was you know something that attracted me more but honestly when I went to school for advertising like when I when I went for to university um I had no idea what I was getting myself into what what it was you know it just sounded kind of fun and so I did four years of college where that's kind of how it works in Brazil. It's a little different than in the states I guess but at the time there was no like portfolio school or anything like that so um, or it wasn't as um, as big. Um, so I basically, in my four years of university, uh, you know, it was like communication in general, and I learned things from like planning to media to, um, you know, there was like philosophy classes, and there, there was the more the more creative, you know, classes. Like we had classes that were more design related, and then classes that were more about like concepting. But it was like one class during like you know, for of like maybe two hours a week kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't focused on that, but that was what I started kind of seeing myself um, thriving on and really being interested on. So I started staying after school to learn more like of the like Photoshop, like the, you know, design skills. That was something that I, that I liked um, to know more of. So I, I ended up doing this like course on the side um, to go deeper into that in like a school of art and design that's, um, that's great in, in Sao Paulo. And with that, I, you know, it was, again, I didn't even have to intern during my years at university. It wasn't something that the university demanded. So it was just like, I was like, oh, I guess I should intern somewhere and try to, you know, see how it is the life in an agency. And um, I have, a, I had a friend at the time who worked at an agency and I was like, oh, do you think I can just show up and interview there and they could get me a desk and I can help? And, and it worked out. Then they gave me a desk and I, Honestly, I think they did it as like more of a favor than I was helping them. But with time, I kind of like um, was learning. And uh, and then from there, one person that moved to another agency that used to work there brought me with them. And, you know, I just, um, I graduated, became full-time at that bigger agency. And I moved to the States 11 years ago where I started first at JWT for four and a half years, then BBDO for about six something years. And now I'm at uh, Mischief. So. Yeah. yeah. So rewind it real quick. Cause I want to go okay. over, you showed up, like you just said, can I show up to this agency interview? What happened yeah. there? Like, like what was that break? In it was process? a very big, it was a very small agency. It was like probably like six people, something like that. Okay. Um, um, or um, I don't know, maybe, maybe like 10 people. Okay. And what so, role were you going for there? I knew I liked the art direction side of it. I knew it like, okay. I, you know, through like the classes and stuff, I started liking that part, um, of things more. So, um, I asked for like to be like an art director intern. Um, yeah. and they, I had some like 
bad photoshops like ads like conceptual like ads from Back school ads. that i show them but it was nothing close to being like the portfolio that we ask you know people these days to have sure. to like get a job and i think it was like can i look for images here like can i sit here in the corner and do whatever you need me to do to just be here and learn I don't know why they said yes. I honestly, like, if it was me, I would have said no, because I had nothing, like, it was, I really don't know. I think it was maybe because of, you know, the friend that I said that worked there was my boyfriend at the time. And so maybe it was, like, a favorite to him. And he was like, okay, sure, why not let her, you know, this girl stay here. So, um, but, yeah, I did I did not qualify for an internship at that, at that point. Okay. And then you kind of slowly built your book along the way your portfolio started yeah. developing and then yeah. you went to the United States. Did you have like that portfolio piece or did you know somebody? What was like your break into that larger agency experience? Yeah. So at that point with that smaller agency, the one of the finance guys left to go to a bigger agency in Sao Paulo. And then that bigger agency was looking for someone and the finance guy told them, hey, you should hire that art director who's um, interning at that small agency, which is called WG. Then this bigger agency, um, they brought me in. And at that point, I had a, be a better portfolio from the small agency, okay. uh, but not great at all. And But they gave me a, a chance. And then I worked there for about a year and a half. And that's when I decided that I wanted to have an, an experience abroad. And I had the plan to just move to the States, get like some sort of visa, uh, student visa. So like do some course that I could do here just to get you know myself physically here and then go around and try to um look for a job but um not like that didn't happen i ran into a friend who said oh you're going to new york my stepdad lives there and he works at jwt there and i was like oh let me let me talk to him it turns out he was the cfo of jwt at the time so that helped with um again getting me um to at least have like a quick experience there um that was you know was supposed to like last only a couple months but as i worked there for those two months when it was over they were like oh no we want to we, we want you to stay and we're going to sponsor you and get you a visa and oh, that's amazing. how i stay yeah amazing yeah because like anytime you have an internship or you're freelancing like that it is an interview right like they're yeah. looking you know, yeah. you're there for a reason there's potential that you'll get hired full-time yeah. so take it seriously yeah i love it mm-hmm Kevin, how about you? Um, you? You're from Chicagoland area where I am right now. Um, what was your introduction to advertising and how you broke into your first agency? Uh, I graduated college and I was drinking all my parents' beer in their basement and they were like, please get out of the house and get a job. And my dad was sick of me drinking all of his beer. And uh, that's true, by the way. And I can't drink Heineken anymore because I drank so much Heineken. Uh, but anyway, um, I... I got, I knew of advertising. I didn't know at all how to do it. I didn't know you needed a portfolio. So I just got the first entry level job I could, which was uh, in the media department of an agency when back when agencies had media departments and I absolutely sucked at my job. I hated every second of it because it's all like flow charts and Excel. I don't even know if it was Excel spreadsheet at the time, but it was like numbers and data. And I was like, it was terrible. But, um, and then that agency kind of collapsed it was like a it was like a satellite shop for um a bigger for amirati purist lintas in new york and uh i i was kind of disenchanted with advertising general and uh i flailed around with a bunch of sort of did i freeze up 
Oh, no. Cool. With a, I was just boring you to death, so you were frozen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I kind of flailed around with a bunch of you know jobs that I also wasn't very good at. I did uh, took Second City classes uh, in improv and writing, and I knew that I wanted to write. And uh, and then a friend told me about Chicago Portfolio School, and I applied there. Uh, I did a year, a little over a year. Like I, Jeff, let me hang around. Uh, while I was still trying to, you know, get my portfolio made. And uh, I had like, I don't know, nine loose sheets of paper in like a Kinko's folder. And then they were awful. My, my ads were garbage, but I had, um, I had one really great, I mean, I had a bunch of great teachers, but one in particular who uh, kind of took a chance on me. He was like, I could tell that you can, uh, you can write and you can uh, know how to write a joke and kind of, he just he and an internship popped up at an agency called uh, Element Seventy Nine in Chicago, um, which also folded. <laughs> and I swear it wasn't my fault, uh, or maybe it was. Um, and so he got me an internship there. And then um, after the first couple months, I got a shot at uh, a Tropicana brief. They had not been able to sell anything to the client, and they were like, "Sure, throw the interns on it." Mm. And uh, we came up with an idea that sold, and. Um, nice. And that got me my first job. They they said, okay, come on board. It took a little while actually. They were, I think they they wanted to still pay me ten bucks an hour as long as they could until I I complained about it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was exciting. I, I got to do my first TV shoot. Uh, you know, like three months in, it was it was cool and scary, but fun. So you went. You you got into media. You said that wasn't for you. Then you you took classes. You did improv classes. You had Second City. You tried. You did portfolio school. And then you got in. So you yeah. had to like rebounce back. You didn't give up though. Like you didn't go into like consulting or. No, I didn't. I mean, I, I knew one thing, which is if the only way I felt comfortable in, in a corporate environment is if I was doing something creative within a corporate environment. I just, I was always sort of a, I liked to draw when I was a kid and I liked art and I like comic books. And I, I just, I don't know. I never, uh, I never really felt like, um, it felt like that that was sort of like a a compromise for me um i and then i for a while i really thought i got kind of obsessed with writing screenplays and tv shows and stuff like that and i obsessively did that for maybe like 6 years um thinking that that uh, that i would move out to la and be a famous screenwriter that didn't happen <laughs> um but uh no it was it felt like as soon as i got the job at element 79 uh, my first real job in advertising and creative department, I was like, this is, this feels like home. This is exactly where I feel like I belong. Nice. Amazing. So that was your break in both of yours. Love I it. just That's have to say that I'm very glad that didn't happen. That's all. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, okay. So what would you say? Like you've, you've obviously learned a lot both of you along the way now that you're in mischief, but what were some of the biggest mistakes you've made along the way i don't make mistakes <laughs> Just me. i never asked this so question so i never many. asked this question yeah so a million yes um i once put a, a creative director on blast and i almost got fired for it really i was really mad that we um had put a scratch track on uh, a spot that we were selling to the client and then in the meantime we had um briefed three music houses and we hadn't gotten any of the music back from them. 
and uh, I was excited to hear it. And then I heard that the client bought the scratch track and I was weirdly mad about that. Hmm. And I, I like wrote this long, angry email and copied my CD on it. And he was very, very mad at me. <laughs> okay. Sent me back a very long email back and put everybody else on blast and then try to get me fired. And uh, luckily, <laughs> luckily I didn't get fired. I think because I made like 10 bucks an hour, they're like, we'll keep this guy around. <laughs> yeah. That always helps when you're only $10 yeah. an hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what's, your, what, what's your one thing that you did wrong in your entire career? I mean, so many things. Yeah. Exactly the one thing, um, one small thing, like very dumb, funny. I used to go um, my first job. I used to go to my creative director every every day, and I would be like, uh, "I'm done with my work. Uh, can I leave or I'm going home?" And like the fifth day that I did that, he was like, "You don't have to come here and tell me that you're leaving. Whenever you're done, just leave." And I was like, "Oh, okay, no problem, sure." That's good. Um, That's good advice. Uh, I did that yeah. in my first internship for like the first week too. So yeah, yes, um, that was really weird. I remember also like, I mean, this is not this is this was just, um, like, it, it didn't go horribly because someone stopped me. But I remember at BBDO the first year that I was there, we had this idea and we like sold it, we produced it, da da da, and then someone said something like, "Oh, you know, the team doesn't believe that we should like." PR these or push this, you know, or something like that. And I got so mad right away. And I was like, okay. And I grabbed my computer and I went to Luber's office. And like I talked to his assistant and I was like, can I talk to Luber? Like, like I was, I had just arrived. It wasn't even like it was like two months in or something. I was like, can I talk to David? And she's like, yeah, what is this about? Like, what do you, you know, what do you need? Do do you have time schedule? And I was like, no, I just need to talk to him about something. And she was like, yeah, okay, like, obviously, like, you know, she was like, he's busy now. And, you know, have you talked to this and this person before? And my plan was just to go there and be like, hey, you know, just want to understand better what, you know, what this place is about and what kind of ideas you have, because we have this and no one wants to PR. And it, was just, it would have just been so dumb and like, such a like, you know, stupid thing to do in the moment. So it didn't go bad because I didn't make it to him. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was... That was one that you should not do. Love it. Love it. Good lessons. Let's bring it back to like today now. So how did your professional like paths cross and where was this at? Well, Bianca was an intern when I uh, was at JWT before she leapfrogged everyone in the industry and took over advertising. <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. But yes, we did meet at JWT when um, during that period that I was they're trying to you know stay in the states and uh and kevin was a cool guy it was like i sat next to him and three other guys and i was like just looking at them and trying to like be cool and be friends with them so just you know try to impress them with my bad jokes and bad timing because at that time my english was even worse so every time i try to make a joke no one would get it so uh but yeah we started um with each other there we didn't work together and then um, but we did go to we did go yeah. to lunch one time together, and we went to go um, <laughs> to like a Middle Eastern place, and we it was like oh this place has the best Middle Eastern food, and so we all ordered Middle Eastern food, and Bianca ordered like a shrimp burrito. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. I was trying to be cool and hang out with them, and like I ordered the wrong thing, and I was like, 
They were like, and I think it was a sushi place and they had oh, burritos yeah. on the side. Yeah. <laughs> and I got the burrito and I was like, so mm. embarrassed. Probably because no, I was like we were, so broke at the we, time. I think we it's just cool. made fun of you like one time, but I yeah. think you remembered it much longer than we, we did. Yes, I know. When we when we saw each other, I did edit the video later on when he was already there and I had just started. I think Kev was like basically permalance there before yeah. he went full time and I had just gotten hired and um you know, we saw each other and I was like, oh, the guy that made fun of me for the burrito. So, <laughs> ah, people don't forget. Don't make yeah. fun of people because then they, they remember. Yeah. 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 But then we, we, we each had our partners at BBDO and both of them left around the same time. Mm. I moved to the West Coast. Kevs went to the, another agency. And then we, our ECD was like, oh, you guys should take on this project together. And I was like, sure. Um, so we started working together. And um, that's kind of how we... We started. How long ago was that? Um, was it what? Six uh, years? Oh, five years ago. Oh, more maybe. than that, maybe. Yeah. And you've been working yeah. together ever since. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's a long yeah. time. What makes for a strong, uh, strong creative partnership like that? You have to like each other. That helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And try to minimize annoying behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You respect each other's tastes and opinions. You, you know, you also, I feel like I like working with people that I think are better than me and I like learning from them. And I feel like Kevin pushes me that way. And I think that we're also like, we, we have the same sensibilities for stuff or we have also the same sort of like, I don't know, the, we get annoyed by the same things or we're able to like when one is annoyed the other one is like nah don't worry about that so we balance each other out like we take turns and i don't know it's i would say that we definitely push each other and i think that our skill sets are well matched and i um yeah and i think that uh uh bianca has the most insane work ethic of anyone i've ever worked with and that pushes me to Really, it forces me kicking and screaming to work as hard as she does. Like, yeah, you gotta. Yeah. Awesome. I'm always so jealous of like the copywriter. Is it one of you that's a copy or art director? Like, or you both yeah. just do everything? Kev is the copy. I'm the art director. But I mean, when, when you become like a CD that's like more leading, you have to be able to judge both things. Um, yeah. So in general, I try to like tell people that like always ask for like tips in the industry, especially the art directors. I'm like, try to present your ideas too. Try to like write some paragraphs whenever you can. Like you need to be able to judge that stuff as well. And uh, same for the writers, like, you know, pay attention to the visuals, look at like have an opinion, no references and stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's. I also um, think art directors should write more because it's not, I think sometimes um, really good art directors will write without overthinking it and it'll come out more conversational and it'll be more appropriate for what we're doing so i think more art directors should try to do it i think often it's like oh no that's that's my this is my lane and that's your lane and and uh people should do both i i can't i am i can't do indesign to save my life but i have an opinion on the design or i have an opinion yeah. on the way, the way something you, looks. you you bring references in you're like no like art and just like design in general or, or typography or whatever you, you can you mm-hmm. can be you know you can direct people to mm-hmm. get to the right place as well yeah 
You got to. Yeah. You got, and you develop an eye for it when you get more experience. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So knowing what you both know now in your life and your career, what advice do you have to the audience, the entry level, the aspiring advertisers out in the world? All right, mine's always the same answer. And I'm, I'll say it first because you've heard this. Oh, yeah. What do you got? Be great at your craft first. Have you know? We were just talking about how you should, you know, as a as an art director, write and as a, a writer, know design and, and visual language. But I think the the first most important thing for me when you're lo- when we're looking for a junior is can you write if you're a writer and can you design if you're an art director? And the reason I say that is well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I think you can you can contribute immediately as a junior if you are good at your craft. If you can write lines, if you can, you know, if you write headlines, if you can like give something a visual identity or give something a look as an art director, uh, you can jump right in and and help, which is great. Um, and then I think you, the, uh, you'll get better at coming up with ideas and concepts and platforms and all that stuff the longer you're at an agency. That I I think that that stuff is way easier to learn when you're just like thrown into it at an agency that uh, than it is when you're at school in sort of this little vacuum. Um, so to me, it's, it's, if you're a writer, be a great writer. And if you're an art director, really, really, you know, uh, be great at design and, and, uh, and the visuals. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, mine just got spoiled. Cause we just talked about like, I, I usually, you know, give my, my sort of, um, tip for art directors specifically to be presenting their work and talking about the work and being able to articulate um, all of that. I didn't for a long time. I was, I just always thought like that was the writer, you know's job. And I feel like people, um, one, like you, you get better when you do it and you have to practice and you need to be able to do it like further, further, in, you know, in your career. And then I also think that, um, people look at you less if you don't because like if you're talking you know if there's one only one people always communicating stuff like you just kind of become the um sort of the you know the other person in the room that's not really you know making a difference i do not think it should be by any means like a competition between your partner that's the raw that's the worst thing that you can ever do is like be competing Mm -hmm. with your partner but just sometimes like um i feel like um our directors get a little quieter or you know don't do as much of the the presenting or the talking and i think that's important i have have one bonus answer i think to this question too that i don't think it's talked about enough i think um one thing that it took me too long to learn this i think bianca is uh innately good with this is um creativity is almost half of creativity is resilience, especially in this industry. It's like it, the, the, the job is not to come up with one or two good ideas. The job is to come up with 10, 11, 12 after your other ideas are dead or to continue solving problems with creativity while you're producing something. It, 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 there's so much creative decision-making, so many things. I'm sorry to inform your audience that's about to break in. So many things die the best idea does not always win but your job is to continually come up with good ideas and uh even when things are dying shit dies for really dumb reasons all the time and it, it can be very frustrating a huge part of this job is 
just being resilient and being consistent and just saying, all right, on to the next one. Let's just move on. Very smart. Very true. Pen and paper. Jeff always says start off with a pen and paper and write a bunch of ideas down. Just keep writing. Mm -hmm. so, that's a good practice. Keep, good your habit. keep your butt in the chair. Keep going. Love it. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing, and I appreciate you both coming on so much. I was super nervous, but um, I thought it went pretty well, and I'm so grateful to have you both on. Both your work is so inspiring. I will link like to your portfolios and how to like reach out to you guys. But do you prefer a method like like can our audience reach out to you, ask questions about breaking in or about mischief or about your role specifically? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, our emails are. Bianca and Kevin at mischiefusa.com. I mean, not Bianca and Kevin. I mean, maybe we should have a joint email. But uh, right now, it's just, yeah, Bianca at mischiefusa.com and Kevin at mischiefusa.com. People would yeah. also always reach out on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, LinkedIn or, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's how I reached out to you guys. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. It works sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, that's all I got. This has been amazing. And thank you so much. Thanks, Thank you Joe. so much for having us. Yes, it was great. Did you hear anything on this episode about a job you'd like to have someday soon in advertising, strategy, design? The kind of job where you use your brain and your creativity? If you did, chances are a portfolio can really help you get that job. That's where Chicago Portfolio School comes in. They have programs and classes that help you show off your thinking and get you the job you want. So visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. And if you drop my name, Gino, into the chat box, they'll send you more info and a cool Sharpie or just some more info. You can decide that. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's guest. Make sure you go and connect with them on LinkedIn. Tell them that Breaking and Entering sent you. Now, thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio technician, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director, as well as the student team from the Midnight Oil Agency at the University of Illinois. Can't do it without you all. Thank you very much. We will see you all next week with another amazing guest.